0: This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be here with you this morning. I uh, I'm jumping in to week two of this prayer series. If you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Justin. I'm here as the uh, student ministry pastor on staff at Bridgeway, and uh, you've been warned. Now you know, student ministry pastor's preaching it. To- oh gosh. <laughs> Too much. You should have waited till after the message, but <laughs> uh, we are so grateful that you guys have come here this morning to be a part of the community that we uh, we live in together here at Bridgeway. Just grateful for an opportunity to dive into this series where we talk about our our prayer life and our conversation with God. And what's cool about this series uh, is that we've been going through it, through it together as a whole church. We've had children's ministry going through prayer. We've had student ministries uh, going through prayer. And specifically, I. I Obviously, come from a little bit of the student ministry angle, and some of the things we've been talking about. And there's one thing, in particular, that's kind of stuck out to me that we've talked about in student ministry so far, and that's the fact that prayer uh, at times can just be awkward, can it? Um, maybe you've had this experience before, where where you've jumped into prayer and you've gone, God, in this moment right here, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to feel, God, I don't, I just I just feel like I'm stumbling through this. And so uh, I thought Ron, Pastor Ron, set us up really well uh, last week as we started this series. And he talked about uh, what what, does prayer work? Like what does working prayer look like? Do we know if prayer is working? He talked, he dove into that. And I'm excited because today I get to bring the really practical side of prayer. But again, I can't help but think about prayer and think of sometimes it just is awkward. And maybe if it's not awkward because it actually is awkward, maybe it's awkward because we make it awkward. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an awkward uh, conversation before in your life? If, or how about this? I'll even go broader. Have you ever had an awkward experience before in your life? I bet most of us in here have. We've been a part of our own awkward experiences, or we've witnessed those uh, awkward experiences of those around us. I, I, you know what? I'm just gonna break the ice a little bit this morning. I'm gonna tell you one of my experiences where I, I had a little bit of an awkward interaction, and uh, we talked about this in student ministries. And uh, the students in the room are probably sitting here going, "You're about to tell that?" Yes, I'm about to tell that. Um, I I remember when my wife was pregnant with our first child, our daughter, Lila, uh, we actually jumped into this thing called birthing class, okay? We were soon-to-be first-time parents, and so I remember Dana coming home one day and saying, hey, what do you think about trying out this thing called birthing class? And I was like... "Um, babe, I don't know if you know this but I as the guy I like I can't give birth and so that was uh, that was a conversation but quickly led into no 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 this is what it's about it'll help us through the process navigate the fir- the process of of giving birth and so off we head to this class it took place at our local hospital and in, in the Battle creek area and uh, at the time and we head into class I don't know what to expect and then I find out through the first class'm like ah that's okay now I understand this isn't as bad as I thought it might be but then we we start getting through the class for a second second class, third class, fourth class. We select the fifth class, and we show up one night and The teacher of the class at our at the local hospital she says, hey, "We have a treat for you tonight. Um, we actually have brought in a uh, a yoga instructor, and uh, i 'm sitting there going what <laughs> yoga i 've never." Done yoga, and this is kind of what I imagined yoga being like and I thought i can 't even touch my toes, let alone pull off a move like this and so the the, the instructor comes up at the end of the class, and they have everybody uh, kind of pair off because it 's a bunch of you know soon to be parent couples, and so all the couples. Pair up, and, and the the pregnant women in the room sit on an exercise ball, and the guys had to stand behind them. And I'm like, where's my exercise? I don't understand I thought I should get an exercise ball too. Uh, and, uh, and they start going through this. Routine and I would never experienced anything like it. They they have everybody get down into a position uh, That was kind of a stretching position and uh, there's just the instructor starts walking us through this It's one of the strangest experiences of my life Can I just tell that to begin with and the instructor starts telling us. Hey, I want you to close your eyes And I'm like, I don't know you people in this room. Someone might slap me. I don't well, I don't trust you So we all close our eyes she wants us to think that and, and imagine that we have this warm sensation that is uh, at the crown of our heads. And it want wants us to imagine that that's at the crown of our heads. And I'm sitting there going, what have I walked into? And then she tells us, she wants us to, to move, imagine the warm sensation moves down our face, through our neck, and lands in our chest. And so everybody in this room has their eyes closed, imagining there's this warm, tingly sensation down in their chests now. And then the instructor tells us to push it over to our right arm all the way to the end of our fingertips to bring it back, go through our left arm, same routine, back to our chest. And then I'll never forget the next words the instructor said because it led to one of the most awkward moments in my life, at least for me. And uh, she said, now I want you to imagine that the warm sensation is moving down into your stomach, into your abdomen. And it was at that exact moment that one of the pregnant ladies in the class, with all the pressure of the baby being, you know, right there, let out one of the most, I'm not going to say exactly what it was, let out one of the most unholy sounds exiting her body that I've ever heard in my life. You have an imagination, people. You can figure out what this is, right? And this happens right in the middle of the class. And everybody stops, and I learned two things very quickly in that moment. Here's the first thing. The first thing I learned is that in moments in life when I'm supposed to hold in my laughter, I am really bad at holding in my laughter. And I became that guy at the back of the class that's like like trying, not, I'm like coughing, sneezing, choking all at once. Uh, and, and the second thing I learned is that... Um, Moments of grace are needed for everyone in situations like that, and so the rest of the class, I'm like, how we continue from here? This became a very awkward situation, like, does the does the instructor just say, okay, I think we've had enough, and wrap up the class, or do they continue on? No matter what the instructor did, it became awkward conversation and an awkward experience. Ah, let me tell you, that situation was stinking awkward, pun intended, and... It was, uh, it was one of those experiences where I go, you know what? There are, there are moments in life, I think, that are awkward no matter what we do, right? But then I, I think that there's moments in life that we actually make awkward. There's moments in life that actually maybe aren't that awkward, but we actually play a role in making them awkward, so again, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this thing that I think in our brains, in our heads, we consider to be a very awkward thing at times when, I, when it really shouldn't be. This thing called prayer. And I think of myself in the moments where a conversation with God feels awkward. Is it awkward because prayer itself is awkward or is it awkward because of something in me? You see, I believe in sense in one sense prayer is the most natural thing or one of the most natural things we could do i think i think a lot of people might not be great uh, you know a lot of us Jesus followers, it might not be great at opening up our Bibles all the time, uh, but a lot of times in life as we traverse through things, maybe if we're not good at opening up our Bibles, maybe we're better at praying all the time. Or even people who don't even know what they believe, they might go through something difficult and because of that they go to prayer or they've got something big coming up and they don't know how to handle it, they're stressed, they're worried, or or they've got something happening in their lives that's out of control. And so maybe people, we as people, we might just Pray in those situations for help because we feel like it's the last thing we've got. And yet, at the same time, this thing called prayer, which maybe is natural, even just if if it's just in moments of desperation, natural, this thing called prayer in other instances is not so natural. You ever been in a in a room before or there's a group of people and somebody asks the group if someone would be willing to pray? <laughs> And it's followed by 10 seconds of awkward silence or 10 minutes of awkward silence or what feels like an eternity of awkward silence until somebody finally steps up and is like, okay, I'll pray so we can eat on Thanksgiving. God is neat. Let's eat. Amen, right? And then prayer is over and the awkward moment is over. But I believe this, prayer, prayer is meant to be more than just a segue into eating, isn't it? <laughs> God's purpose behind it must be greater, right? And so today I'm excited because... As I said at the beginning, I get to bring some really practical, like some really practical biblical strategies and practices that we can apply to our prayer lives. And so I'm going to cut right to the chase this morning. I want to look at a passage of scripture that challenges us in our prayer lives. So buckle up and strap in with me as we, we open our Bibles up to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now if you have your Bibles with you, boom, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a moment to open it up. Look for 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 to 18. And if you don't have your your Bibles with you, you can follow up on the screens behind me. This is what 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says. It says, rejoice always. This is Paul speaking. Let me give you a a little bit of history here. This is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. And what I love about this is that is that Paul is speaking right into some things that I think are really true and powerful. And uh, he's writing He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he actually, this, is, this writing comes from his second journey there uh, as, he, as he goes there as a missionary to minister to people in the churches, the local churches in Thessalonica. And something interesting about this is throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians, you get these phrases where you see we, they're we statements all the time. And so, Paul, Paul is actually not alone in this because there are two other guys named Silas and Timothy who actually have a part in writing this book in the Bible. And so, it's a group, it's a collection of people. And yet again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Paul says this Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so when I read this, this passage, it's short, but it's really clear. I think there's multiple things here that are really, really clear. But church, clear doesn't always mean easy. And so I want to use this Passage as a personal challenge for us today. Are you with me? We're gonna, I want to look right at these first three things in this passage because these first th- three things they're just sitting out there in broad daylight for us, and I think we overlook it, we skip it, and we miss it all the time. And so I want to hone in on these first three things, and here's the first one it says, Rejoice always. And when I see that, I can't help but break that down in my own brain as pray joyfully. Even when you least feel like it, because if it was easy to pray always, it'd be like, "Pray always, okay? We'll just do it, right?" When it says "pray always," and I think about that, I'm like, "Well, there's something tangible that's difficult in that. It's to pray joyfully when I least feel like it." Rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. And then how often does it tell us to rejoice? It says always, not some of the times, all the time to go to God in prayer with joy. Rejoice always. See, I'm I'm willing to guess that we all have moments at times where we're just not feeling it. Here's what I mean by that. I think we all probably have moments and times where we're, we're just not feeling prayer. We're just not feeling it in the moment. We're not feeling the conversation. We're not feeling like confession. We're not feeling like vulnerability. But church, what if those moments where we're just not feeling prayer, what if those are the moments that God might spur something transformational in you? What if those are the moments when God builds your character, your resilience, or your discipline, What if that's a moment that God uses to humble and grow you? Because it's a moment where you least feel like it, and yet God's still saying, come to me. Come to me in that moment. This passage doesn't say pray when you're feeling it. It's saying to always remember to approach the throne of grace with some element of joy. It's not saying only come to me when you're happy. It's saying that God... Is worth having joy over. You see, I, I believe that happiness and joy are two different things. They're two different things. Happiness is fleeting. It comes in a moment; it's gone in a moment. Happiness, I believe, happiness lives in a moment. All I have to do, all I have to do to understand this, is look at my one-year-old son Abram as he uh, as he enjoys his favorite thing called food. Let's watch Abram here together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that resonates with some of you, right? You get that favorite piece of pizza and you're like, "Hey, hey," right? <laughs> like you love food. We love it like we that resonates with us. But happiness is fleeting. You see, that was a video of my kid in a moment where he got the food. But just mere seconds before he had the food, this is what my child looked like. <laughs> did, did you catch that turn? <laughs> just, right? Like all of a sudden, happiness is fleeting. Right in one moment, food for him, super happy. No food, not happy. (laughs) You see, happiness depends on the external, happiness depends on the external, happiness depends on what's happening to you, as where joy depends on what's happening in you. You catch the difference, and I believe that joy that permeates everything as we walk through life comes from Jesus. It's different. Happiness and joy are different. Joy comes from something else entirely than food. I believe joy takes residence in our souls. Here's a question. Do you allow your temporary happiness or lack thereof to determine whether or not you have lifelong joy? Is your joy dependent on your moments of happiness. You see, Jesus provides a lifelong joy that exists independently from momentary happiness. Is your soul connected with the Holy Spirit in this way? That's not to say that we don't deal with sadness or or mourning or even depression if we're connected to God. But I do believe this, when we're connected to God, that we can grasp the tangible joy that we find in Christ where we don't find it anywhere else. It's tangible. You see, we can choose happiness. But joy through a relationship with Jesus chooses us. See, Jesus says to the disciples in John 15, verses 9 to 11, Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, we're called to pray joyfully based on what Jesus has already done in us, what Jesus is doing in us, and what Jesus is going to do in us. That stays consistent, and that's who Jesus is. He's consistent. Rejoice always. Here's the second, second challenge I, I pull from that. That passage in First Thessalonians, it's, it, it, it said, pray continually. And this is what I take from that when I read it. If I'm going to pray continually, then I've got to create a prayer schedule for myself. Right? We're all distracted individuals. I, I am. I know I am. I'm like a dog, right? Squirrel. Like, it, like there's so many things that just pop into my life and they distract me from the things that I think God has, is wanting me to stay focused on. Jesus is consistent. Speaking of consistency, Paul encourages the Thessalonians to do this, to pray continually, to pray continually. And here's the deal. If we're going to get to a place of praying constantly and continually, then we've got to be diligent and intentional with it. We've got to set out to create discipline in our prayer habits. And through that, I believe our conversation with God, it becomes second nature instead of this thing that we we realize we forgot to do at the end of the day when our head's about to hit the pillow. It becomes fluid throughout our day instead of being something we engage in for just a minute in the last possible minute of our day. See, prayer can be and I believe should be a constant dialogue with our creator. The question is, do we want it to be that? And you know what? Reminders, I believe, are certainly a good way to lean into this. I think reminders are a good way to lean into this spiritual practice of consistent prayer. I encourage you, I have to encourage myself to do this every day. Put reminders in your calendar. Whether it's a physical one or a digital one, life is busy for all of us. But if something is a priority, then we'll make time for it. That's just true, isn't it? If something's a priority, we'll make time for it. We're called to make prayer a priority in our lives. And I believe that looks like making a prayer a priority in our calendar. A part of that is recognizing that there's moments in your life where you need prayer the most. There's moments in your day where you need prayer the most, right, every day. Lean into that. Maybe it's in the morning before your day really takes off. Some of us in here, we're morning people. Boom! That's easy. Some of us in here, not morning people, right? Doing something like this is a little bit harder, but that's why I believe making it a discipline is crucial. Maybe it's so. Maybe it's in the morning when your day takes off. Maybe it's midday when you're feeling weary, right? You've had lunch, and it's that one to two hours after lunch where you're just feeling a nap. <laughs> Maybe it's, maybe it's at the dinner table with your family. Maybe, it's at, at night, maybe it is at night before you fall asleep as you reflect on your day. Truthfully, it probably is all of these. For you, though, I bet there's moments that you're aware of in your every day that stick out to you as a moment you could and should engage with God. And those moments, I, I believe they're even more nuanced than the ones that I just listed through our days. I say this, I've said this a couple times, and I'm gonna to continue to say it in this message. Lean into those moments. Moments of stress, moments of success, moments of failure, moments of excitement, and moments of exhaustion, moments with loved ones, moments of loneliness. Engage with God through conversation as if he's experiencing life right there with you, because he is. And he knows you. He knows us. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows, de- he knows every little inner detail about us. He knows, he knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He, he knows your inner thoughts and your, your outward, external tendencies. He knows the desires of your heart. And he knows your greatest fears. No one knows you more and wants a relationship with you more than Jesus. So I'm reminded again of, of John 15, verse 5. I bring this passage up a lot in my preaching, and I can't help it. I, it's just so instrumental to me in and what it, what it means to follow Jesus. And so I bring this up again. It's Jesus speaking, and he says this, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, to to stay continually connected to Jesus leads to fruitfulness. And interestingly enough, one of the fruits of the Spirit is none other than that thing we just talked about in the first challenge, joy. A consistent prayer life helps lead to joy in Christ. Simple as that. Listen, if we can't find the time in our daily schedules to enter into this conversation with God, then we don't prioritize our faith in him. It's harsh, but it's reality. And so that sticks with me. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta make a habit. It's really easy to make bad habits. It's a lot harder to make good habits. I gotta make a really good habit. I gotta go into God constantly in prayer throughout my day. Here's the third challenge from that. From that passage of First Thessalonians. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. And to me, this really sticks out to me as I think about that for myself. To give thanks in all circumstances looks like praying prayers of praise, you like the alliteration, <laughs> to pray prayers of praise in moments of defeat. Because none of us, none of us, like the moment of defeat and, it, and it honestly it puts a lot of us in a spot where we just why why would i pray now why would i pray with this being the result but paul is given the charge to lift up praise not only in the good times but in the bad and this is difficult probably because it feels unnatural it does it just feels unnatural More times than not, when, like, something difficult happens, we're not like, thank you, sir, may I have another? Like, we're not, like, happy about it, and yet we're called to pray prayers of praise in difficult moments of defeat. To choose praise in moments of, of defeat, it seems paradoxical even, because it's different than how we usually would respond or react, but this is not the first time that we experience a call from the Bible. In the Bible, to carry ourselves differently, Jesus called his disciples to love, his, love their enemies after all. Jesus calls us to be countercultural time and time again. But when I think back to pray prayers of praise in moments of defeat, I... I can't help but go, why? Why would giving thanks in circumstances that that seem thankless be something God calls us to? And I believe the answer can be found in James. James 1, verses 2 to 4. It says this. Consider it pure joy. There's that word again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, perseverance, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The definition of the word perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Again, this definition of perseverance. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Church, I got to tell you that, This strikes me. It just strikes me. We are to persevere in our praise of God no matter what the circumstance. You know what that tells me? It tells me that I desperately need Jesus. I need him. That on my own, I cave to the moment. But in light of salvation through Jesus... I need only to rest in who God is in all circumstances. The good, the bad, the in-between. He deserves the honor and the praise. Give thanks in all circumstances. You see, it's less about my circumstance and more about my heart's posture toward God in the midst of my circumstance. That's faith. Like in the Lord's Prayer, that's asking for God's will to be done in my life. And it relinquishes control and it trusts God as the guide of my life. And that's scary, I get it. That's a scary thought to go, God's will be done in my life. Because a lot of us think we know best for ourselves. And yet God is saying, listen, I've got this. To praise God in moments of defeat is to understand our need for him and to be emboldened by it. We so often, I believe this, we so, often perceive, we so often perceive need as weakness, but we worship a God who says that in our weakness, he'll be made strong. Man, it blows me away. I'll wrap up with this. I, I, uh, I'm going to take a story that has a lot of details and is really long. I'm going to make it really short and concise. Um, uh, a few weeks back, my family was in Florida on vacation uh, on a little place called Sanibel Island. Now, if any of you know, (laughs) have been paying attention to the news, then you know that Hurricane Ian came slamming into the state of Florida, and my family and I uh, found ourselves in a position where we had to leave. We had to leave early. Uh, We left just two days before the hurricane hit, and Sanibel Island ended up being, like, right in the crosshairs of the hurricane. Man, as I as I recall that, I, I don't get emotional because my emotion because my vacation got got short. That doesn't that doesn't matter in the in the big picture to me. What matters is, and we got to see, we got to see this this passage in First Thessalonians come to life. Where I felt like we got to see it in us. Not that this was the worst thing that ever happened to us because we didn't live there, but really more than that, I felt like we got to see it in other people. That as, as we were leaving and, and driving back up to Michigan, we got to see, we got to see other people lean into this. I mean, we got to see other people rejoice always. I, I had conversations with people from the island even that were rejoicing through it. Yeah, if you've paid attention to the story at all, you've seen people, stories of people rejoicing God through it. Maybe we don't see that on mainstream media all the time, but if you look for it, yeah, I promise you, you'll find it. The stories of people rejoicing God through devastation, through being displaced from their homes. i didn't see people who were praying constantly, praying constantly. I felt like the whole drive back, it was like that's what my wife and I were like. We got to do, we got to do, we got to pray constantly. And I don't get this; I don't understand why it's happening. We got to pray constantly. I got to continue to go back to God. I got to continue to engage God. I saw other people do that. I've seen, I've heard stories of other people doing that. And then I find myself in a spot where it's like, I got to, man, you got to, you just got to lean in. You just got to lean in, in moments of defeat. Not even, I'm not talking about me in this story. I'm talking about others. I saw other people lean into moments of defeat and pray prayers of praise. Church, I believe we're just, we're called to that. We're called to become prayer warriors and, put on the armor of God, and, and, and I, that's my prayer this morning, church, is that we would take the words of the Apostle Paul and we would apply them to our prayer lives. That we'll always celebrate God, that we'll continuously engage him and talk with him, and we'll give thanks to a God who's consistently pursuing us, recognizing that we need him. And so, church, that's, that's my prayer this morning, is that we recognize that we need him. We recognize that today with joy, in our hearts as we continue to worship him. Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me as we wrap this up and get ready for worship together. Father God, I, I am, I'm blown away by the ways that you continue to show up in moments that I, I feel i feel alone. God, I, 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 I praise you for the ways you show up. When I feel like I'm going through something by myself. God, I, I praise you for the ways that you're always there. You're constantly there. No matter if I feel like if I feel like praying, if I feel like praising, if I feel like engaging with you, you're God, you're right there. You're just waiting for me to take it. You're waiting for me to take that one step towards you. And so, God, that's my prayer this morning as we as we continue to dive into this conversation of prayer, that we would recognize that you're waiting for us, you're pursuing us, you're waiting on us to just just sit there and go, God, I'm here. Here I am. I'm ready for you. I'm ready for what you're gonna do in this moment. God, we we, we praise and worship you for who you are because God, you are, you are a God that is consistently there. God, my prayer this morning is that we would consistently show up ourselves. God, just show up. I pray that we do that. So, God, we have a moment to do that right now. As we continue to talk about prayer in the coming weeks, we have a moment right here and right now to show up and worship you. And so, God, that's my prayer. Thank you for who you are. As we continue to show up in this moment, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.